It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of Locked On Titans. I'm Jimmy Morris, joined as always by Terry Lambert. Terry, how are you tonight? Doing pretty well. What's going on, man? Not too much. Uh, we have a special guest tonight, Justin Graber. We'll get to him in just a sec. Before we do that, I uh, remind you, Terry and I write for MusicityMiracles.com, where we cover the Titans for SB Nation. Uh, so check us out there. Between podcasts, you can find everything that's going on with the Titans over there. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. I am at MCM. Terry's at TLambertFB. Podcast account at LockedOnTitans, so you can find us at all those places. Uh, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify. Check us out there. Rate and review. That helps us out. So if you would do that, we would appreciate it. Uh, like I said, tonight we have Justin Graver on with us. Uh, Justin Graver also writes for MusicMiracles.com. You can follow him on Titans. I mean, on Twitter, he's at Titans Film Room. Uh, a lot of cool stuff that he does over there. Uh, recently, he's been putting together a series on where he looked at all of Marcus Mariota's interceptions from 2017. So we're going to talk to him a little bit about that tonight. Before we do that, we will let you hear a word from a new sponsor of our podcast. Guys, remember the days when you're always ready to go in bed? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them any time, day or night, even on a full stomach. Since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever that opportunity arises. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since BlueChew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code locked on to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. All right, so we'll bring Justin up. Justin, how are you tonight? I'm good. How are you guys? We are doing well. Um, all right, so you have done a lot of cool stuff from UCMiracles.com, and again, follow Justin uh, on Twitter at Titans Film Room. A lot of cool stuff there. Um, you can you can you can follow him there and, and see all of his work. Um, but like I said, recently he's been breaking down each one of Marcus Mariota's interceptions from 2017. So at the beginning, just kind of a high level overview. What is have you have you already looked at all of them? Um, well, first let me just thank you guys so much for having me on. I appreciate it, and I'm excited to talk about this. I have looked at all of them. Yes, um, I've diagrammed the play concepts, offensive and defensively, for all the interceptions. And you know, it wasn't the easiest thing to go back and rewatch, but it's been pretty educational. Yeah. Okay. So. You know, Terry and I obviously are big Marcus Mariota fans, as you are as well. Um, and we were talking maybe last week about how you know we'll go on podcasts with with different people from that they cover different teams, and they're generally surprised that, about how confident we are in, in Marcus Mariota going forward. They also never can pronounce his name, but that's another story for another day. Um, <laughs> but you know, 
we obviously we've you know sat here and watched all all of his all of his games. We we've you know followed that as, as it's gone along, and we know the offense and, and you know all that stuff that that went into play last year. So um, you know I, again we we probably put more of the you know the the reasoning for the for the backslide or the seemingly backslide that, that he did last year on the the offense but as you've looked at these different plays what's your kind of high level overview of what you think was going on with Marcus Mariota last year right so I definitely expected uh when I started this experiment that I would find a lot of wide receiver error and impossible offense to operate type of stuff because I kind of feel, and even after watching all this, I don't really feel that Mariota regressed as a quarterback, as a player on the field last year. He may not have taken the steps forward that we expected to see in his third year. And statistically, of course, he regressed. Massive regression by the numbers. But as far as like going through his reads and analyzing the defense and throwing no-look passes and all the things we're used to seeing Mariota do well – he still was doing those things. The touchdowns were less frequent. Uh, I mean, if you try to judge a quarterback from passing yards and touchdowns, that's just a mistake from the beginning because so much of passing yards and touchdowns is based on the offensive scheme that the team runs. And if you look at Mariota's total touchdowns, he had five rushing touchdowns last year, so he did have 18 touchdowns, um, even though only 13 of them were passing. But anyway, on to the 15 interceptions, 16 including the postseason game, I noticed that um, I put five interceptions on the year total on his teammates. Um, one of those, Taewon Taylor straight up fell down. Uh, Richard Matthews ran the complete wrong route on one. Um, the Kansas City one, Corey Davis, obviously ran the wrong route. Um, that one's probably the most famous like receiver error of his interceptions last year. And then the other two were, were both in the Pittsburgh Steelers game where Mariota had his first four interception game of his career. But other than those five, the other 11 were really on him. And it's nothing that's, like, glaring or going to be a problem going forward in his career, but it's okay to sit here and admit that he still has work to do as a quarterback, even though he shows all the traits of excellence that he can go grow into once he becomes more consistent and cuts out some of these mistakes. So the biggest mistakes that I noticed were footwork got sloppy, and in the series I'm doing, I feel like I'm painting him in a really bad light because I'm only showing the negatives over and over and over again. So it looks like he has sloppy footwork on every throw, but it's just all of, inter- all of his interceptions so far, he has sloppy footwork. And then the other big thing is just trying really hard to make a play and forcing the ball downfield when there's really nothing there, when it's covered downfield and, and passing up an open check down option underneath. Those are the biggest issues I'm seeing footwork and and trying testing a defense when you shouldn't test the defense now in this series there's like maybe three interceptions that are just straight up what were you thinking why did you throw that bad plays and that's going to happen to every quarterback at some point and they're all learning moments they're all teaching moments so I think that Mariana is going to learn from all this and I think the new offense will definitely help because it will not stress so much the downfield element of passing it'll be more balanced that they'll put the players in space uh receivers in space to catch the ball with no defenders near them mariota had the highest percentage of tight window attempted passes last year so i think that 
you give him uh, space to operate and clear defined reads and stop asking him to press downfield so much, and we'll see massive improvements statistically this season. So you said there were only, I think you said five instances that you put on the receivers. Uh, that's that's surprising to me because after every game you saw uh, Malarkey kind of put it on the receiver over Mariota, and he and he certainly did that more than more than five or six times. Uh, it seemed like we heard that from him every game. Uh, so talk a little yeah. bit more about that. Were there were there built-in option routes where receivers picking the wrong way to go, or was it just flat running the wrong route? And why on earth was it so complicated? Yeah, there's a lot of things that don't make sense about the passing game. It, it doesn't seem like the concepts that were designed by the staff were meant to like work in concert with each other and free up other options. A great example is his first turnover against Houston, which was actually the first play of the game uh, from scrimmage. And the Titans had uh, a bunch set uh, tight to the line of scrimmage, which they did an awful lot last year. The thing with bunch passing sets is you bring all these players over to the line of scrimmage, you invite the defense close to the center of the field. And what that does is it opens up the field horizontally and laterally for the players to catch the ball running sideways with a guy on their back hip, not enough time to catch them. But the Titans offense didn't run those types of concepts from bunch formations. They run like these curl routes 10 yards downfield, but the receiver has to run 45 degrees towards the sideline because their starting spot is at the left hash mark instead of outside the numbers. So it just like congests all the space rather than using the space to help the players. Mariota has a three-level read um, on this interception, and the furthest player downfield is 15 yards, and the closest player is five yards. That is not enough space between three receivers to to throw a pass and realistically expect that it won't be incredibly contested by the defense. So there are a lot of things that the offensive, uh, just the play calls we're doing that we're making it more difficult on him. But that said, even in those instances where he's throwing it into double coverage because there's three receivers on the same side of the field, those three receivers on the same side of the field draw a lot of defensive attention and it opened up the middle of the field. And DeMarco Murray on this play, for instance, is leaking out right in front of the uh, quarterback, right in the middle of the field. And it would have been um, a much better decision to just dump it off to the, to Murray in that particular instance. But, yeah, so um, as far as receiver error goes and offensive error goes, there were plenty of option routes. There's plenty of option routes, I think, in most offenses today. But um, the one against the Cardinals, for example, sometimes it's hard to tell. Is it uh, option route or is it just the receiver didn't, know his assignment and did the wrong thing. But I think that it's based on um, the safeties. They have terminology like middle of the field open versus middle of the field close, which would, if it's a cover one, free safety, that's middle of the field close. If it's cover two with two deep safeties, one on either side of the field, that means there's no one in the middle. That's middle of the field open. So there's lots of reads that the receivers have to make on the fly like that. And I think um, the, the interception he threw to Richard, intending to throw to Richard Matthews against the Cardinals, um, I think it was his first interception against the Cardinals, but it might have been his. Yeah, it was the first interception against the Cardinals. Richard Matthews runs a corner route, and Marcus Mariota lets it fly, expecting it to be a post route. Those kinds of things are going to result in interceptions every time. The other big, there were two other confusions like that. One of them was Delaney Walker in, against the Steelers. Marcus Mariota expected him to run like a five-yard curl, sit in the zone, 
Delaney Walker ran five yards and broke inside. The ball comes out, expecting it to be a curl. That's an interception. You can't really put that on Mariota, even if it might have been his fault, because we just don't have enough information sometimes. But um, there was another play, the Johnny Smith interception against Jacksonville, where Johnny Smith runs the same kind of play, except it's further downfield. Ten yards and cuts inside. Marcus Mariota throws a ten-yard curl, and it gets picked off by the inside linebacker coming underneath, Calvin Smith. But I don't think that that miscommunication was the reason the ball was intercepted because Calvin Smith was coming underneath to break that up anyway. As a zone linebacker, he wasn't in man coverage on Johnny Smith there. So sometimes the miscommunications were clear, the result of the interception, and sometimes it was just a bad play anyway, and he shouldn't have thrown the ball. Most of them he shouldn't have thrown the ball where he threw it. That was the biggest problem. Okay, you talked earlier about sloppy footwork being a, being a problem, and it seemed like that was a that was an area that he really, you know, went backwards on in 2017. I'm of the belief a little bit that he didn't trust that leg coming off that surgery and that you know the bad injury that he had at the end of 2016. Um, mm-hmm. it, it seemed like at times he just didn't trust that leg to plan on and throw. It, obviously, there's, that's not anything we can know. But was there? Did you see anything that would that would kind of lead you to that same conclusion? And then the other thing I would ask is, you know, just as far as from a from a confidence thing, do you think at times he just wasn't? I don't know if he wasn't trusting what he was seeing, or if he was just you know kind of predetermining his his read before the snap, and then you know something happened that threw it off. I, it just seemed like there were a couple of different things there that were going on that you know just it just didn't look like the guy that we had seen the two years prior. I, I definitely agree with that. I think that, firstly, stepping into throws in the NFL is kind of like a perfect world thing. Most of the time the pocket is too either crowded, collapsing, or you're getting outside of it, or the receiver comes open and the, the window's so short that you just have to get the ball out. And Matt LaFleur actually talked about this a little bit in the press conference today after the OTA practice, but um, saying how you can't always step into a throw in the NFL and that's why it's important to have a wide base to start so that if you're not able to step into the throw, you kind of already have your, your shoulders square and your legs apart, which I think is an interesting point because it didn't seem like that was stressed at all by the coaching staff. I don't know how Jason Michael was as a QB coach, but I just think that he wasn't very good because we didn't really see a lot of growth from Mariota, and maybe that was the injury. But I also think he wasn't well coached, and I think a great example of that is the Houston game because he he threw two interceptions in that game, like a a few possessions apart, both in the first half, on plays that were identical and errors that were identical. And Mike Malarkey, after the game, attributed the second interception to his hamstring injury and said that Marcus couldn't step into the throw because of his hamstring. But his throwing motion, including his footwork, looked exactly the same as the first throw that was also an interception in that game. So either his hamstring wasn't the problem or his hamstring was already a problem before he quote-unquote injured it diving into the end zone. So I think that it's just kind of a coaching thing, honestly. Marcus is the, has the ability to be very accurate with the ball with sloppy footwork. So if you add refined footwork onto that, the equation, then it's, he's only going to get better. I just think it's mostly about 
being coached the right things to do. It just didn't feel like he was being coached what to do correctly last year. Maybe that's me making excuses for him, but that was how I felt throughout the season. I kind of think uh, the, the reason I'm, I'm so confident in Mariota was the sum of all parts uh, was just so bad. Everything around him was bad last year. You know, mm-hmm. he, he had the injury to start the year. Uh, he had the, the offense that we all – didn't agree with the coaching staff. You had receivers running the wrong routes. There was a clear disconnect there uh, within the offense. Do you? Am I right on that? Was his confidence shaken? Uh, it, it just seemed like he wasn't the same guy we saw 2015, 2016, uh, you know, his first two years. It was just a different player that we saw on the field uh, last season. I totally felt that, but I also think you, we saw flashes last year of the – confident Mariota and I feel like all of those came in no huddle situations where he was given the freedom to call the offense based on what he saw the defense doing and I don't I mean that seems like an obvious logical conclusion to draw was that he was comfortable in that shotgun spread hurry up attack the defense quickly and uncomfortable in the other style of offense which frankly was that the the whole we're going to do it our way, and they're going to stop us kind of offense, which is just completely asinine at, at the highest level of football to think that you can just outmuscle every team you play without when they are out-scheming you is totally crazy. And, you know, great examples are like the Browns game where the Browns have the 32nd-ranked pass defense, a historically bad defense that's missing players, and a great run defense, top-five DVOA run defense, and the Titans come out, and run the ball against them all game. Like it, you know, those kinds of things definitely affect the quarterback. And I agree that that you can see traces of it in every player from the offense. And you know, I actually saw something on Music City Miracles in the comments that was I thought was interesting. I can't remember who said it, so I'm sorry to not give proper credit here. But the person said, um, if you look at Marcus Mariota's development trajectory since high school. He's a player that has gotten better at every single stop in every single year. He never had uh, a downside in college. Um, his first two years in the NFL, we obviously saw the improvement until last year. Meanwhile, everywhere that Mike Malarkey has ever been the offensive coordinator or head coach has had one great year followed by a year of stagnation. So if we're tracing patterns here and trying to attribute to whom we should assign the majority of this blame seems pretty obvious and I mean John Robinson agreed and Mike Malarkey was shown the door so I think that all those factors should give Titans fans confidence that I mean basically they could have picked Malarkey and said no the quarterback needs to get better right but they didn't and I think that should give us all confidence that Mariota is the player we think he is all right last thing before we let you go um and I, I mean, I think you kind of answered this at the end there. But a- after doing this, did it hurt your confidence any at all that Mariota is the guy going forward? I mean, did you? I guess did you walk away with any any vastly different conclusion after watching all those plays than you thought you would? Yeah, not even for a second did I ever begin to wonder if Marcus Mariota was the quarterback of the future for the Titans. He's just, I mean, he's got things to work out but we've seen it too much i'm actually after i finish the the interception breakdown i'm gonna do two other threads um which i'll convert to articles for music city miracles.com um <laughs> one of them is gonna be a no look pass thread because 
he even last year in an offense that I don't think he was confident in. He I saw I mean I've only done one game to be honest, but four he threw four no look passes in the Raiders game. It was pretty awesome. So I'm going to do a thread on that. And then I'm also going to do like a dropped passes slash missed opportunities thread that shows like how much better his just statistically he could have been if, you know, Delaney Walker doesn't drop three touchdowns, if Eric Decker doesn't drop all those passes that he dropped throughout the year. So just to like remind everyone that Mariota is really good, even though he threw these interceptions that I'm breaking down in detail. <laughs> Perfect. Well, that sounds awesome, and I'm going to be really interested to see. You know, you talked about the, the four new look passes they threw in the Raiders game. I'm, I'm really interested to see what that number was after that game because it seemed like it seemed like he still felt good in that game, at least you know confidence wise, and it, it just kind of seemed to go downhill from there. And then there was a little bit of upswing there at the end, but um, so I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Anyway, like I said, follow Justin on Twitter. Really, really good follow at Titans Film Room. So check him out there. And uh, yeah, he'll do those threads, and then I'll uh, remind him that, that those would be those are good ideas for articles. Uh, and he's always, he's always good about uh, converting them to articles and doing that. So I, I appreciate that. Justin does really good work for the site and uh, on on Twitter. So check him out, Justin. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. Thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So again, that was Justin Graver uh, talking about all of Marcus Mariota's interceptions from 2017, and he writes for MusicCityMiracles.com. Follow them on Twitter at Titans Film Room. All right, coming up, we'll have just a few comments from the OTAs that have been going on this week. Matt Williamson brings the scouts' perspective to the Locked On NFL podcast. We got to talk 2018 quarterbacks. Josh Allen has the best quarterback record aside from Lamar Jackson, but the lowest completion percentage other than Josh Rosen he's just been uh, complete garbage for the most part when he's been allowed to play yeah let's throw a couple nuggets out on Allen and I know he's a lot bigger a lot stronger but he kind of reminds me of early career RG3 what's kind of remarkable about Allen is he is so gifted and he got better I thought this past year which is encouraging with the anticipatory throws and the touch of his throws But his deep ball passing is like the worst in the league. Hear Matt with co-host Brian Peacock every day on Locked On NFL. Subscribe or follow today wherever you get your podcasts. So we talked a little bit when Titans OTAs opened up about Kevin Dodd not being there and how odd that was. And, you know, Vrabel from the beginning, you know, basically kind of said, he wasn't going to comment on who was there and who wasn't. He wasn't taking attendance, that kind of stuff. But then today uh, he was asked about some of the people that weren't there. And uh, I didn't see this, so I'll, I'll kind of let Terry take it from here. But I, I think his comments on Kevin Dodd were pretty telling. Yeah, it was. Uh, he ran through a list. Uh, the headliners were Corey Davis and Taylor Wawan. Uh, and he said that basically they had an excuse and, and he knew where they were and everything was good. And then there was Kevin Dodd, and he said, uh, Kevin Dodd is not here, so we'll clear up that mystery. And that's all he said. So uh, clear tone difference there. Um, basically told me all I needed to know. I, I mean, uh, we said it two weeks ago. We really didn't want to speculate. You know, you never know what's going on with the guy. But at this point, um, the Titans seem at least at least a little annoyed uh, with the fact that he's not there. Uh, in such a make-or-break situation. Yeah, so that, that's that's crazy. I mean, it just, it just blows my mind 
that he would not be here and not have a reason, a really good reason for not being here, which it appears at this point that he does not. Uh, I will say this. I watched uh, some of Vrabel's press conference today, and I felt like that he looked the, – the back and forth between him and the media has gotten a little bit more comfortable. You know, there was a lot of talk early on about his press conferences and how weird they were and that kind of stuff. Um, you know, we talked about it a little bit, and I kind of was of the thought that it's just a new guy filling out a new group of media members. Same thing for media members, a new coach. Um, you, you heard Kaharski, if you listen to Midday 180, talk about how, you know, with Mike Malarkey, they kind of knew when he was done answering a question so people could jump in right there. And a couple of times, like, they thought Brable was done, somebody would try to jump in, and then, you know, kind of, kind of talking over each other and that kind of stuff. Seems like they've gotten a little bit more comfortable with each other, so I think maybe, you know, the – you know, there were some pretty big Twitter fights uh, between people about you know what was going on in those deals, but it, it seems to me at least that, that, that all that stuff's kind of settled down. He settled into you know his role as an NFL head coach. The media's getting more comfortable with him. So you know we kind of talked about how it was you know pretty much much ado about nothing, but um, it, it is good to see everybody just kind of settling into those, to that to that role. You know, yeah, you watched Vrabel and I watched Lafleur. Uh, I'm really interested to see what he had to say and, and, and what he would say, and he was surprisingly honest. You know, he he was talking about his transition to calling plays, and he was talking about how difficult it was having the shot clock up there, uh, and thinking on his feet and having to be one step ahead. So that I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, you know, we we kind of give him a pass uh, for not being a play caller, but that's new to him, so that's something to follow and some, some kinks to work out in some of these scrimmages and, and preseason games. But uh, I, he also said that the route tree was significantly different. Uh, and he talked about being multiple, and he talked about uh, playing receivers in multiple spots. So uh, maybe we're uh, doing the wrong thing by pigeonholing Taewon Taylor into the slide and, and Corey Davis and Rashard Matthews on the outside. So just some things to think about going forward. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff to, to watch as we get into this stuff. And like I said, you get the mandatory minicamp next week. Um, so we'll, we'll learn a little bit more there. I think that starts next Tuesday on the 12th. Um, and then, you know, like you said, camp, preseason, that kind of stuff. And, um, yeah, it means just a lot, of, a lot of different stuff. And like you said, I, I think we'll, we'll see as that stuff goes along that a lot of things that we think we know right now we might not necessarily be accurate on. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be all fun stuff to watch. And you just have a new staff and stuff. That's really cool. So uh, we'll, we'll keep you up to date on all of that stuff. Um, we're probably going to get a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast here for a week or so. I uh, got some things going on. So um, it'll probably be after the mini camp before we're, before we're back doing shows. But between now and then, uh, you can check us out on uh, MediaCityMiracles.com. Uh, we'll have a we'll have stuff going up there every day still covering all that. So check us out there um, again. Follow us on Twitter at jmorrismcm at tlambertfb podcast at at locked on titans. Terry, anything else we need to hit tonight before we get out? I got nothing. All right, sounds good. So uh, like I said, check us out of those places. Keep checking back. We'll have a new episode up before you know it, and then hopefully we'll uh, training camp will be just around the corner. So hopefully we can hit that uh, before it happens. So. For Terry, this is Jimmy saying thanks for listening to Locked On Titans, and we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? 
Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.